fan ramen. Who's hungry? Welcome to Fan Ramen, the official podcast of Black Ramen. We're a band who writes epic music for film and games. And we're here to read your fan fiction. I'm Lindy. Konnichiwa! I'm Ralph. Wasabi! Behind the board is our awesome sound guy. And Jedi Master. Yoda's, Yoda's number, number one, one prodigy, Kevin. It's Welcome to season two. Hey, welcome to January 2020. We have so many new beginnings, and we can't wait to show you what we've got in the oven. The oven? A bun? Bread? Wait, did you get knocked up over the holidays, Lindy? I'm going to knock you out. Oh, God. Merch is coming soon. We've also got our Patreon. You can hear outtakes, bloopers, and candid conversations between me and Lindy. His eyes are fixed on the muzzle oh. of the pistol. Hey, let, let me interrupt for a second. Too loud. Um, no, no, you were fine. Uh, actually, Lindy, you kind of did a <laughs> on <laughs> in the middle of a sentence. I'm adding tension, you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so can you pick it back up at the Claudia reacted first line? You said. <laughs> I hate my life. <laughs> we also allow Kevin to talk on the Patreon. Ooh, but not here. He's way too mysterious to be here on display. Right, Kevin? Kevin. Kevin? Our first fic is from the dark side. Osborne wrote a fic simply called Batman Number One. You can find this on the Amino app or check the show notes or check our website for a link. www.fanramen.com Bruce sat inside the Batcave, his eyes fixated on the screen. Gotham Bank was robbed. The security guards were found dazed. Trace amounts of an incredibly potent toxin administered to the mouth. A kiss of death, but Poison Ivy's motives go far beyond monetary gain. What would she benefit from robbing a bank? Capital to secure further experimenting comes to mind. Yet still, Bruce hesitates. But regardless of that, He's needed. He rises up from his chair, pulls the cowl up, and slides it down onto his face. I believe Master Grayson should already be on this. Alfred explains, appearing into view and momentarily blocking Bruce. I sent him back to Bloodhaven. Bruce responded, his voice grisly, his mind focusing on something else far removed from the very conversation he was having. And why would you do that? He was here to help. He's got his own life back in Bloodhaven, Alfred. Alfred simply folded his arms in an unbearable silence. Bruce clenched his fists, then sighed. <sighs> Forgive me, Master Bruce, but I don't believe that choice was yours to make. Excuse me? Bruce asks, now looking at Alfred with more than a mere annoyance. Dick is capable, more capable now than before. You know just as I that you need to let him help. Alfred explained. Bruce didn't have time for this. He had to get to the bank, stop Ivy, do his work. I'll see you later, Alfred. Bruce muttered, sidestepping the butler before hopping into the Batmobile.
parked the Batmobile just outside of central Gotham Bank, front and center. His mind was a flurry of thoughts. He had to be careful. Poison Ivy was dangerous, not afraid to murder. None of them ever were. He had to keep her at bay. She was a master seductress. Her powers were dangerous and deadly. In his belt was a synthesized antidote to her pheromones, several of which he had already installed within the GCPD several years prior. The guards, while near death, would eventually be fine. He prepared to step outside when his monitor within the Batmobile began to beep. Incoming message from... Clark. Bruce simply ignored it, pressing the decline. And so he stepped out and immediately began surveying the perimeter. The doors were busted in, glass shattered. Poison Ivy was strong, but also prideful. She would more than likely have had her plant creatures break in for her. He carefully stalked forward, pressing himself against the wall. He noticed a trail of leaves leading into the building. This was more than just elaborate. This was fully intentional. A statement to be made to lure him inside. Come inside, won't you, Batman? I won't lie. Her voice was smooth like silk but you can't let yourself fall for the song of a siren. Batman slowly stepped inside, pulling a batarang out from his belt at the ready. What do you want, Ivy? Batman growled, holding the batarang up in a defense position as he looked around the bank. No hostages in sight. Odd. No bags, no crew either. Very strange. What's it take for a girl to get your attention? Poison Ivy called out. She had fair white skin, silky ginger hair that flowed down to her shoulders. She wore a green dress decorated with a mix of both flowers and leaves. Her face was taunting, a devilish smile with her ruby red lips teasing. You need to stop, Ivy. Batman demanded. Oh, you don't even know I am here. Poison Ivy said as she stepped closer towards Bruce, stalking him. He raised the battering up higher, gritting his teeth. You're at Gotham Central Bank, but you don't strike me as the type to need money unless you needed it for some kind of experiment. Now keep your distance, Ivy. (laughs) Who do you think I am, Crane? (laughs) She laughed, getting even closer, not caring for his warnings. To her, it was nothing more than an empty threat. So then you wanted my attention. Why? Batman asked, suddenly very aware of the ever-shortening distance between them. Poison Ivy placed her hand on his chest, her fingers trailing around the emblem of the suit. Would you believe me if I told you I was worried? I mean, everyone is. Have you even talked to Catwoman? Put all the money back and leave while you still can. Batman demanded, the rough anger in his voice coming out as practically a growl, to which she simply laughed again. (laughs) So he looked past her. There was a wall behind them, brick white marble stone, fancy and elegant to match appearances and bring about the illusion of high glass. Hard to puncture, but not impossible. He pushed her back and her smile faded. There was momentary confusion. This wasn't like him. Not how their encounters often went. In an ironic case, often their encounters were like that of Cat and Mouse. She flirted with no real meaning other than to prod and anger him, and he fired back. But still, this was different. This 
ruthlessness, this ferocity. She had a look in her eyes, a true rarity. She felt genuine fear for her life. He pushed her back into the stone marble wall, lifting her hand, pressing it to the wall. With his other hand, he plunged the sharp blade of the batarang into the palm of her hand, and in turn, into the stone brick wall. She screamed with enough ferocity to deafen a man. Blood pooled excessively from her palm, and she kicked and screamed at him. But Bruce simply trailed off. She wasn't a threat for now. GCPD could handle her, get her back to Arkham. There's beautiful artwork to go along with that one. I really encourage you guys to take a look at Ozman's work. I like this next author. He seems familiarly relatable. What makes you say that? The screen name. It's Doofus87. Oh, God. <laughs> hey, Lindy, doesn't that make you ecstatic, though? Now you're working with two Doofuses. No, I don't think any of this is working. We like you, Doofus87. You can be on our show anytime. All right, I'd like to call you a doofus, but for the... <laughs> I'd like to call you a doofus for the rest of the episode, but that might okay. get confusing. What? Why? why? What, what do you call two doofuses together? Oh, God. Ralph, we got a show to do. When there is more than one doofus in the same vicinity, you may address us as doofy. <laughs> like a murder of crows. A doofy of morons. <laughs> I gain strength when I'm gathered with my brethren. Murder sounds good right about now. Oh. Oh, Doofus87, you've made us stronger. Yes! This is a Robotech fic called Sidesteps. Mm. You can find this on fanfiction.net or in our show notes. The main character, Jeremy, is an original character, but we will quickly see some familiar faces. Let's do it, Doofus! Let's do it! Fuss. <laughs> <laughs> We're beginning in chapter two of this fic. Jeremy Samuel Daniels is leaving his house on his motorcycle when suddenly electricity surrounds him. He feels pain. Everything goes black. Jeremy comes to, his head throbbing in time with his heartbeat. He thinks, What the devil was that? As he regains his sense, every part of his body protests feeling aflame and numb at the same time. He notes in the back of his mind, it feels much like the taser he had been shot with during training. After several moments, Daniels's brain started to pay attention to what his ears were passing along, and he stiffened as several different voices flowed in. Uh, can we not do that again? Said one woman's voice. Captain Glovel, there's someone over here. Came another voice. I wonder who he is came a third, this one sounding more naive and innocent. Then, a rough bass voice intoned, That is what I want to know, Lieutenant Porter. Claudia, Lisa, you have any idea? A pair of women, Jeremy assumed the ones the captain addressed, responded with a negatory. Jeremy groaned again as he tried to push himself up into a fully seated position, the slump he was in playing havoc on his neck. Uh, uh, what's going on? Where am I? He said, his jacket falling open from his motion. Jeremy opened his eyes. As he shifted into a more comfortable position, one of the women, 
the one with dark hair, he notes, caught a flash of metal under his jacket. Swiftly recognizing the pistol, she barked out, He's got a gun! Claudia reacted first, snatching a sidearm from her thigh holster and leveling it at Jeremy, who threw his hands up. He says, Non-hostile! Non-hostile! I am not a threat! His eyes are fixed on the muzzle of the pistol, though Jeremy knows logically that it had to be a 9mm or smaller. At present, it looks like a tank cannon. Placatively, Jeremy offers, Hey, 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 look, I'll gladly disarm if that means not getting shot. The female officer looked to Glovel, who nodded in assent. Jeremy, with an exaggerated slowness, carefully drew his 1911. Careful to keep the muzzle pointed to the deck and finger well clear of the trigger, he released the magazine, allowing it to drop to the deck. Racking the slide open, the cartridge danced across the floor. Leaning forward, Jeremy placed the sidearm on the deck and used the heel of his boot to slide the pistol and the magazine over towards the captain while keeping his hands to the surrender pose he was assuming. See, everything's all nice and ducky, right? Kim quickly collected the firearm, which allowed Jeremy to let out a quiet sigh as Claudia lowered the pistol she was aiming at his chest. Captain Glovel spoke in his thick Russian accent. So, Mr. Stowaway, would you mind showing us your face? Jeremy thought for a moment about making a funny comment, but as tense as things were, he opted for a modicum of restraint. Of course, Captain uh, Glovall, right? He said slowly, pulling the helmet off to reveal his scruffy beard and short crop of black hair. Trying to offer a disarming grin, the small man said, the name's Daniels. Jeremy Samuel Daniels. Uh, at your service, I reckon. What is your ID code, Mr. Daniels? Jeremy screwed up his face in confusion. M- my, my, my what now? The captain sighed. Your personal identification code. I would like to confirm that you are who you claim to be. Jeremy shrugged. Uh, uh, I don't rightly got one, sir. Sammy scoffed, incredulous. You don't have one? That's impossible. Glovel shot over a quieting glance. Mr. Daniels, I find that hard to believe. Surely you have some means of allowing us to confirm your identity in our systems. Otherwise, I am afraid that we will have to presume that you are an AUL saboteur. Whoa, whoa, Captain, I ain't no saboteur. Especially not one aligned with whomever the AUL is. I I I promise you that, on my honor as a Marine. Glovel cocked his head to one side. Marine? Jeremy nodded in the affirmative, which prompted Glovel to continue. Well, what is your serial number? Jeremy made a quiet, huh, Huh. before rattling off his serial number from memory. Glovel nodded at Lisa, who entered the provided number into her terminal and waited for the record search to bear fruit. When the computer finally displays the record associated with Daniels' serial number... Commander Hayes blanches. Captain, that ID number does belong to a Daniels, Jeremy Samuel. Glovel harumphs. So, the stowaway is who he claims to be. Lisa takes a sharp breath before continuing. (gasps) But sir, according to our records, Jeremy Samuel Daniels is dead and has been for nearly three years.
Thanks for joining us today. We hope you've discovered some new authors today. Check out our Patreon. We have outtakes, extras, and bloopers. We're accepting submissions. Email us a link to your fanfic at fanramenpodcast at gmail.com. Or submit on our website, www.fanramen.com. This is Lindy. This is Ralph. And And we'll we'll see you the the next time time you're you're hungry. The doofusist. This podcast produced by Lindy Day and Ralph Avalon. Sound design and engineering by Kevin Villagestone. Music by Black Ramen. Recorded and mixed in the Black Ramen Studios.